What's up? This is Rich Fye, and you're listening to the Mike Saffo Podcast. Ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. What's going on, pal? I'm chilling. How I, you doing? I podcast in studios, the beach, gyms, cars, homes. First time in a tattoo parlor, so thank you for hosting. Sure. Anytime. Well, give the plug. Where are we? We are at R&D Tattoo in uh, beautiful Queens, New York. Of course. Everything, is in, everything beautiful is in Queens. It's on Myrtle Avenue. We've been here for 22 years. It's one of, tattooing was illegal from like 61 to 97, so we opened up as tattooing became legal. So it technically is tied for the oldest tattoo shop in Queens with a couple guys. Do you know who the other guys are? Yeah, our friends over in Pete and Kubo in Ozone Park. Oh, you're friends with them, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tattooing, especially traditional tattooing is a very small, small world. Small underworld? Yes. Shocked at the tattoo artists, the tattoo shops in Queens. I've never met a man, and we said this on your show, and we can get to your show, who represents and loves Queens as much as you. I love it. You got to tell me why, though, because you didn't get into why you loved it on on your podcast. I love Queens because it's the perfect mix of New York City. It's not Manhattan, which is too many tourists, too much. You know, I, I don't even. I'm going to go further and say I love South Queens. It's not even just all of Queens. Okay. It's South Queens. Because, like, I dig, like, Astoria and stuff like that. Like, I go over there and have shish kebabs and shit like that. But South Queens has got, like, that... It's got a little Long Island vibe to it. You can drive a car. You can park. You can still be in New York City. And you can drive places. It's just got... Yeah, South Queens is just... It's got that Goomba vibe. But it's also got some, some hood shit going on. A little gritty. It's a little grimy, but it's not... I don't think it's, like, super dangerous. My wife thinks that the neighborhood we live in is kind of dangerous. But okay. I'm six foot tall, 300 pounds. I don't really... No one's fucking with you. I don't really worry about it. She's five feet tall. She gets a little nervous walking around. But me, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm going to steal stuff from you throughout my show when I just randomly hit you with stuff. Go for it. Favorite movie about Queens? Favorite movie about Queens? Or set in Queens. I only know one. I'm not a movie guy. I know one. I'm going to... See, it's hard because I always say the same fucking movie. It's Goodfellas. Oh, I was going to say Coming to America. Coming to America is good. Coming to America is good. That was the only one I thought of. They're making part two. I know they are. I don't think it's going to be good. Of course it's not going to be. Goodfellas, not only is it you know based in Queens, it's based in my actual neighborhood. So a little more nostalgic feel. Yeah. It's not, not only nostalgic, but it's, it's just it's, it's before my time. But, you know, you know guys that knew the guys, and this, this, that guy was my uncle, and so on and so forth. And I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time, anyway. It's the only so, mafia movie I've ever seen, so it's my favorite one ever. Yeah, I think it's the best mafia movie. Well, I did my homework, you can be proud. I watched, before I got here, I watched Colin Quinn's New York special. Excellent. One of the best, and I'm not a stand-up guy. So, I don't like when it's like forced comedy, when it's like, hey, watch this, this guy's funny. The but Colin, did you feel that it was a stand-up special or a one-man show? No, the one-man show. That's he, a one-man show. I like that he'd walk over when he was doing the Irish impression. He'd walk over to the bar. Then yeah. he walked on. Dude, and he hit every stereotype, which is funny. You're allowed to hit stereotypes because they're true and it's funny. Yes. Yes. Especially the biggest stereotype, prejudice type thing of all time, which is, I think, also the greatest television show of all time. is All in the Family. Okay. Also set. In Queens. Okay. I, I see a trend that's going to happen <laughs> as everything keeps going back. certain trend. But, you know, when you have stuff like All in the Family, but it, it, there was, he said, he touches on it in the, in the special, is, is an amount of prejudice that's not hateful. And it's not racist. Or racist. Yes. 
it's an amount of prejudice. And I grew up like that. I'm 43 years old. I was born in 1975. So I was in, you know, New York City and I was a preteen, teenager, late 80s, early 90s. There was a amount of prejudice, but not enough. Not, well, I don't feel it was racist. When you say prejudice, more of a stereotype of certain people? Is that what it is? Well, I think you used to be allowed to say, you, you were allowed to say more. It was, everywhere wasn't so woke. You know, like he even says in the house, like it, it, you go past the Puerto Rican house. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because it had anything bad about Puerto Rican people. It's just there it was a house full of Puerto Rican he people. Said, you're just being he, left there. And he goes, are they outside? They'll be outside. <laughs> How will you know it's a Puerto Rican house? He's like, you'll know. <laughs> now, are you, a, are you a stand-up guy? Are you a big comic guy? I like comedy, yeah. Who are you guys? Like, you like stand-up comedy? I like stand-up comedy. Let me hear who you guys are. Uh, Well, Carlin is the greatest of all time. Okay. And then I go probably prior. Um, Carlin's native New Yorker, mm-hmm. by the way. I'm going to go uh, probably Rodney Dangerfield is up there with me. How about any current people? Current people? I like... I like Norm Macdonald a lot. He's not, I don't know, he's still doing it, mm-hmm. but he's kind of, um. It's like when they hit that sitcom, when they get that mainstream, it's kind of like they stop with the stand-up, which sucks, because their stand-up, not that it was controversial, but they kind of shy away from anything edgy now, and they do more safer stuff, which sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, Tom Segura is probably. Oh, he's good. One of my favorites, of a guy that doesn't have like a sitcom, but he, I mean, again, we talked about this when we talk about podcasts, Podcasts are, are its own animal now, mm-hmm. and he has a great podcast. He's always on Joe Rogan's podcast, so you, you, people know him. He didn't have to have a sitcom for you to know yeah. who Tom Segura is, who's, I think, probably one of the funnier guys. You're not even going to say your boy Chris Stefano? Yeah, big shout-out to Chris Stefano. <laughs> of course. Well, He's right from this neighborhood right here. Of course he is. And you tattooed him? Yeah, tattooed him a couple times, sure. Every So I, I have on my show a ton of athletes, authors fascinating people and I hate like if I have a travel guy on you feel obligated to just talk travel with them and it sucks because every interview so I know everything you talk about is tattooing so we're going to save that to the end is that cool yeah is that finally a relief for you because everything's not going to be tattooing uh, my whole life already revolves around tattooing so I don't it probably even if I'm trying not to talk about tattooing eventually it's going to come back to tattooing it comes back to tattooing fellow host of a podcast Neighborhood Knuckleheads yes Neighborhood Knucklehead when I first met you we're kind of related Halfway related. Halfway related. When I first met you, I was intimidated by you because you sat there really quiet. Like you're a big dude, tattoos. You don't come more friendly. And then uh, my brother-in-law, your brother, is like, "Oh yeah, he's starting a podcast." I'm like, "He doesn't even talk." And then I hear it, and your demeanor is perfect. So tell me about the format for your podcast. Why you started it? I started the podcast pretty much. If I have to get into tattooing, I I, because I feel like people want to get tattooed by somebody that they understand their personality. You know what I mean? Like, it, it sucks to get tattooed by somebody that I don't like this guy. I don't agree with this guy. Now I got this permanent picture on my body from this person. So I felt like if people got to know me a little bit better as a person, they'd be more likely to get tattooed by me because, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a fun guy. I just, I just like to, you know, everyone's pretty much immediately my friend mm-hmm. unless you're an asshole mm-hmm. you know i can be an asshole if it comes to that but pretty much everyone's immediately my friend i like I, you have to prove yourself bad to me not prove yourself good okay that's, which, that's, which is different from 99 percent of the people in the, the world. way i am yeah. in life um and i just i love new york and I, I, there's a lot of stuff about new york that 
when we sit here in the tattoo shop and talk, everybody would say all the time, like, oh, you guys should have, like, a reality show. You guys should have this. And I'm not, you know, cool with any of that shit. So I thought the closest way to kind of get into what we do while we're tattooing is have a podcast where it's just, you know, sitting around bullshit. Like, the whole this whole week, mm-hmm. I like to take, like, polls and questions. So this whole week, you ever seen Naked and Afraid? Never even heard of it. All right. There's a show, Naked and Afraid. Okay. 21 days in the wilderness, naked, and you have to survive. And there's another show called 60 Days In, which is 60 days in prison. Okay. And you have to survive. Oh, God. Okay. And my poll all week was, which one would you do? 21 days in the wilderness or 60 days in prison? I'll take 60 days in prison. No, I would do wilderness. No way. Yeah, wilderness, definitely. Wilderness over prison. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Not even a question. But 60 days, they're going to feed you. You might have to fight a dude. Yeah. You you can't talk your way out of a fight with a fucking bear. I mean, you, you're in the wilderness. There's bears, coyotes. I might be overthinking it. I love the question. One, it's shorter time. So right away, I know there's an end site. It's shorter, three weeks. And I feel in the wilderness, I can do stuff. I can walk around. I can hide a little more if I need to. So I'm thinking more of like I can eat stuff like maybe some fruit and berries. I'm thinking more logical just gets time passed. 60 days in prison with bad dudes, I wouldn't do that. Well, for... Uh, if we're going to really say the, the show, then they're, they're not going to let anybody kill you. I know, but I wouldn't. It's a be... show. Even in the wilderness. Mm. If you, you know, if, if you watch Naked and Afraid, if they get bit by a snake or something, the medics come running in. It's not truly. I'm still doing 20. Shorter, shorter time frame. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing the 60 days in jail. I'll start a tattoo business in jail. So... I've had dudes. <laughs> would, you... I've had dudes have tattooing. Tell me. Like, yo, you would do all right in prison. Nobody fucks with a tattoo, man. You should go. Yeah, I'm like, you, I'm not going to Your name would go. be heavy there. Imagine telling you, your wife, babe, I'm going, going to jail for like a year. I'm going to crush you with some money. Yeah. Doing the podcast, what surprised you the most about doing it? The good and the bad. Because there's a lot of bad to it. People don't realize. The, the bad is I don't like the way I laugh. Okay. It annoys me when I hear it my, um, by myself. Uh, and I would say the good is, is, is even people that I was already good friends with and i've had the podcast see i do it a little my whole vibe of it is different because i'm just trying to like make native new yorkers and native new york shit that we did Mm -hmm. and say and everything just kind of trying to bring back memory so i haven't really done that much with the fame like so i don't have the the opposite the person opposite me is usually not famous at all it's Mm -hmm. just some dude that oh you come to the shop you're you're kind of interesting come on the show exactly it's just that so I definitely found that uh, you get to know people like pretty deep, uh, surprisingly deep. When you have these microphones in front of you, they'll be a little bit more open and they're a little less sheltered than you think people would be. We can hang out for years. We never have a conversation like we're going to have for the next hour. Exactly. Because I feel like I can actually, a microphone's in front of me. I can ask you anything intimately I want. Right. But tomorrow, we're actually going to a birthday party tomorrow. I can't ask you, like, like why, right. dude, chill, why are you asking me such a yeah, why close ask, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. The, the one good thing, you know what I love about it? It preserves conversations, and especially your format. I remember listening to old Opie and Anthony, and what they would do is you can put it on at, they were on 3 to 7 at 5.15, and you would really feel like it was four guys at a bar talking. Yeah. And you're really, your show is really four dudes in a tattoo shop, all different characters, and you have characters on the show, and you're preserving conversations that would have never been preserved before. Right, yeah, it's 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 something. I mean, tattooing. We said we weren't going to talk about tattooing, but it's it's pretty much right to tattooing. Yeah. Tattooing is 
been preserved completely by oral history. Nobody wrote anything down about tattooing. You know, people, the stuff I know, I learned from an old timer and stuff that I know I pass on to a younger guy. So, or, you know, it's all oral history. So conversations between tattooers have always been this like kind of like sacred thing where it's like you would go into a room with a bunch of old time tattooers and it would be like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because they might say something that because it was always a tight lipped industry, Mm -hmm. you know, something that people didn't weren't really open with information until they got to know you because the pie was very small back then. You know, one in eight or one in nine people start were ha- had tattoos when I started almost 20 years ago. And I say it's every other person. So the pie of who was tattooing, it was small. You know, so they didn't want you to figure this out. And then, you know, they, they'd straight up lie to you. Yeah, and you would take secrets from 10 different guys and you'd have... You'd figure something out. Exactly. So there's, there's a, oral history has always been a big part of this particular business i mean there's there's a lot of businesses like that mm-hmm. um but it's since it's always been a thing that's why i think like the conversation between tattooers it's interesting because we all know how to kind of bullshit because we always also have to kind of like bullshit customers of course you do you know we're you gotta, sell, you gotta sell the lie yeah not not the lie but you have to sell to them yeah i mean they have to you can't be a timid person and be a tattooer it's very hard it's very hard if i mean i guess if you had a guy in the front of your shop that's a salesman he's a carny he can he can you know bark for you yeah then you could have a timid guy that's a tattooer but it's very hard you have to it's a very strange person almost that becomes a tattooer because you can't be egotistical because you can't draw only what you want because you're in the service industry but you also have to have a bit of an ego in order to draw permanently on somebody I think you're good enough to do that. So it's a, it's a weird, fine line. It, it's a balance because you have to also be confident enough to be like, hey, listen, I know you want this skull. Trust me, this is going to look better. Right. That's a ballsy thing to say to somebody. It's different when you're like, dude, don't go to that bar. That bar sucks. Go to this one. It's he different. was wrong. He put this skull on me. Oh, my, this is horrendous. That's like, that's yeah. nuts. Yeah. There's no erasers. None. It's, it's, it's a... In that sense, it's, it's that's why every tattooer is a little bit bullshit artist, mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, we, we have a lot. We have a skill set that is. Uh, that's why you know, if I talk to police officers, if I talk to firefighters, all my friends are tattooers because just like every cop's friends are all cops, every mm-hmm. fireman's friend are all firemen because it's just there's just a certain world that you live in that nobody else gets. It, it's that fraternity because the truth. Just I know a ton of cops. You can't be like, oh, did you see that guy got shot today? If I told the other people, like, what? You 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 saw like, yeah, we saw ten of them. And the same way tattooing, it's a fraternity. That's exactly what it is. That's your. I mean, yeah, we were, uh, There was a bunch of us out. Was it last night or the night before? A bunch of us out in Howard Beach, eating dinner. You know, because tattooers are eating dinner at eleven o'clock at yeah. night somewhere, and we were just telling stories about how you know spelling shit wrong. You know, like, oh, I spelled this wrong. Oh, I spelled that wrong. Oh, I did this one backwards. It happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's our fault. Some, most of the time it's the client's fault. But Have you ever podcasted someone while they're getting a tattoo? No. I actually just listened to a podcast the other day that the guy getting tattooed was a podcaster. Okay. And he interviewed his tattooer and somebody else. But he, the, the that particular tattooer... 
my friend Mike and Georgie from Pete and Kubo, shout out to them. Uh, that particular tattooer uses what they call a rotary machine, which is pretty much silent. Okay. I use, like, these roaring so it, it coil would, machines it that wouldn't you work. wouldn't be able to hear. It. it wouldn't work at all? No. I don't think you could. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Maybe if you were, like, had some sort of, what are those, lapel mics yeah. or something? Maybe. So you're a podcast now. Who do you listen to? And do you critique other shows now? Because now the truth, you have a, a normal, you have a great show. I truly listen to it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So do you listen to, what other shows do you listen to? Um, right now I listen to your show. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I've stole a lot from your show <laughs> because I, I felt, I don't like to steal from people mm-hmm. that if like, I feel like somebody could say, Hey, you're ripping me off. Like I could say, Hey Mike, I, I, you, I know you asked those questions to everybody. Yeah. I, I stole that from you because you're my friend and yeah. I can say it and I don't feel bad because I can actually, you know, confess to stealing it. Uh, I listened to that. Um, I listened to like some of the big ones like Joe Rogan and, and I listened to uh, a show called Two Broke Watch Snobs, okay. which is about wristwatches. It's one of my interests. All right. It's a pretty boring podcast unless you're, if you're really into wristwatches. Um, I listened to one called The Brooklyn Blast Furnace, which I was on, and it's just a lot of like punk rock and hardcore. A lot of local little ones. I've been listening to this other one, The Bowery Boys, also, which is about the history of New York City. Now, you're so New York-centric, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Spe- and these dudes, like, I really like them. Um, but I'm just finding out, like, as I'm going, like, back. I, like, I don't remember what I searched that mm-hmm. I found their show. So I started listening to it. Now I'm like back towards the beginning. And I'm realizing they're not from New York. So I've been listening less. <laughs> they're frauds. But you know, that's what... Yeah, they're actually, it's actually a good show. I'm going to tie it all in now. Do you have any dream guests that you want to have on your show? Like, is there a few people like, dude, I would love to interview that guy. It doesn't have to be tattoo-centric or whatever. Any guys you're dying to have on your show? I want to interview, like, just all the weirdos from the neighborhood. Yeah. That's all it is. Like, I like I want to interview less people that are less famous. I want to, I'd rather interview somebody that's just bizarre. Like, that's what I like. Like the guy in the bar that's just barking. You know what I mean? Like that guy. Well, what that entertains you, me more. You want to know where, where his life go that he's barking at a bar? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that, that entertains me the most. Like I, it's more than the fake. Because, you know, there's I, there's a lot of shows that I think that and a lot of people know what these famous people think. Like nobody knows what the guy, like why is that dude, <laughs> it's 95 degrees out. Every 90, every, it's Stevie, my, my boy Stevie's here. We've made this. We've noticed this many times. The crazy people, the craziest people, they don't feel temperature. Like, it's 95 degrees, dude's wearing a jacket. They, they don't care. Like, I want to know why he's wearing a jacket. I want to know how he can walk around when it's six degrees out. I have my Canada goose on, and that dude's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. And yeah. Wa- walking around. Like, no that dude is more interesting to me. I, like I said, we could see famous people on TV and, and, and so such. So, so I, I want to, like, you know, the really, the weirdest person that you could find. I want to interview him. So, so plug the podcast. Give me name where they can find it and everything on it. Uh, it's called Neighborhood Knucklehead. Uh, it's about all things native New York. It's only on iTunes and Spotify. I don't really know how to do more than that. Mm-hmm. I got to get it. I, I think the way I like set, kind of set it all up was kind of bootleg. I, I, I got to get like. I think I got to set it up with a bigger podcast. Yeah, so then it automatically goes to like everything. It's on Alexa and all that stuff. That's what you need to do. Right, it's not mine's only on Spotify and iTunes. When I put it on when I put it up on this site I have, it only goes to those two. Worst thing about podcasting is the editing. 
Because terrible. You told me something I didn't even think of. Because I'm like, oh god, these guys can just say whatever the fuck they want, and you're like, I really can't because I can't say anything. Not that you've ever said anything racist, racist or anything, but if you ever say anything that can either one way politically, one way, you know, who kneels for the flag, who does this. That's going to turn off half your fan base that might get a tattoo from here. So you have to be a little careful with that. It's actually yes and no. Yes in the fact that, like, if I were to say anything, I'm not a racist, but if I were to say anything racist, it would turn off 90% of the type of people I tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to get political, which sometimes I do drop a little bit here and there, it's New York City. I tattoo college kids. I could be as you know, pretty much as lefty as I want. Yeah. If I got right, oh, then then you're done. Then I would get in trouble. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm not that way anyway. I'm pretty left leaning, so I could do a little bit. Like you know, I could, I was on the last show. I think we were talking. I was tattooing this couple from. I don't know if I said it on the show that we were on, and uh, I was tattooing this couple from Helsinki. And I said, who's the most famous person from Helsinki? Because I was just small talking. And she said, nobody would know. Some, some like, uh, hockey player or something. Yeah. So she barked back at me. She said, well, who's the most famous person from New York? And I thought about it for a second. I was like, ah, shit, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm like, right. that fucking sucks. <laughs> you know, and I talked about that on the show, that I, uh, I, I think it sucks that Donald Trump is the yeah. most, you know. I'm not going to get deep into my political beliefs, but I can, I can, I can sprinkle that in. But... I do have to edit a lot if we start getting... It is a tattoo shop. We are not PC. So if it gets a little too dangerous for, like, the woke types, I sometimes take some of that out. And you're in season two. I'm in season two only because I, I fucked up during <laughs> season one. <laughs> and I wrote season two, and it just made it season two by accident. But you're, you're loving doing it, aren't you? I enjoy it a lot. It's And I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of positive reactions from... My customers, I think that like a lot of clients, I'll get clients from it that because they listen to the podcast mm-hmm. and they kind of just want to sit in my chair and tell me, you know what, you're an asshole. You tell them, you're saying that Goodfellas is the greatest mafia movie. Godfather is definitely the, and they want to come sit here, you know, there's a neighborhood shop. So people come in here anyway and just like shoot the shit. That's our one bad Yelp review. Yeah, yeah I, did, I read that. One bad Yelp review is that it's like a neighborhood place where people just come in and say hello. And I think yeah, like, God forbid, I'm a nice person to the neighborhood he's way too personal yeah someone actually said that people hang out in here that's what they didn't like about it. that's that should be us and i said to you before we even started podcasting i love that it's an awesome beautiful tattoo shop and it's communal you want you want to have other people talking with you and talking that's the best part of getting tattooed yeah i think i think a lot of states regulations make it so that you have to have a individual rooms and i think it ruins tattooing one more thing on your podcast, because you were appalled at me because I don't listen to music. I have zero music knowledge and zero music interest. I found out you were in a band. Yes. I found out today. I, I, I'm I in a little, hardcore band, yeah. Yeah, Caught in a, caught in a Trap. Caught in a Trap, yeah. How long have you been doing that for? I've been playing in punk rock bands since I'm like 15 or 16. That This particular band, Caught in a Trap, I've been in 12 years or something. And you're the lead singer. I'm the lead singer. I'm the lead screamer. Dude, that blew my it's mind. It's kind of more like a comedy act and, and, and three three minutes of her songs. Oh, is it, is it really? It's okay. a lot of banter. And you, you play gigs and stuff. Like, dude, this... I honestly didn't oh, we know we used to go on you. tour and everything. Uh-huh. But it's now it's just... It's broke down to hobby level. But it was a... You know, we took it pretty seriously at one point. And we said it's like punk rock? 
it's what they the the genre that they people would consider called New York hardcore. Like who? Give me some. I don't know any bands, but give me bands. That it would be like a, like a Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, that type of. Yeah, I've never heard. Of yeah, that. it's very 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 small bubble. When was the last gig you played? Uh, we played in Thompson Square Park, like a month ago. Did you really? Yeah. A nice little turnout. Yeah, there's a few hundred kids there. Dude, that's fucking really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. See, I didn't know you were a punk rock guy because when we were talking, you were saying like you were kind of influenced by hip-hop. So I thought it was kind of a hip-hop thing at first. No, I, I love both. Both very interesting musics that were invented in New York City. Of course. I'm going to cut you off now. Best three hip-hop, either artists or bands. All right. I love, I, have, I love you just got really serious. I like that. I have. Am, are you asking me the best or are you asking me my favorite? Your favorite, your favorite. I do want to hear the best, though, because I do. My favorite three hip-hop artists would be the Beastie Boys, mm. Run DMC, and Rakim. The last one surprised me. Eric B. and Rakim. It might be Public Enemy, too. It, it, Public Enemy. I, I grew up on like a lot of that early Def Jam stuff. So that. The Beastie Boys, I just finished their book. Mm-hmm. After I now I like the Beastie Boys, white dude from Staten Island. The Beastie Boys sang Paul Revere. It was the coolest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, who? This is some cool shit. Uh, you read the book and you went back and listened to that stuff. They were awesome. They were like kind of ahead of their time. I, I, I say it all the time. Beastie Boys. I actually just went to the exhibit Beyond the Streets this morning mm-hmm. um, out in Williamsburg and checked out the Beastie Boys exhibit there they had like a lot of their like early equipment and uh it's like a graffiti show shout out to my buddy burt crack he's tattooing in that thing um and yeah i mean it 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 was very important music to me defined a lot of me yeah you said define what do you mean by defined you because i I never understood forget about all the music talks to me what do you mean defined you i grew up i should have been a guido and i'm not because of stuff like New York hardcore, hip-hop music, stuff like that. Uh, I grew up in a very... I grew up in Woodhaven, then I was on Park. Very Italian neighborhood. Goombas, Guidos, and... I have a lot of that in me. Mm-hmm. I drive a Cadillac. I love all that type of shit. But... Also seeing the other side of things, the artsier side of things, you know... The wilder side of New York City made me get on the train when I was a kid go to CBGB's, see all these different shows. All that stuff was influenced because initially I was introduced to it because of the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys were punk rockers who became a hip-hop group. Yeah. So that type of stuff influenced me to, oh, to check this out. So let me go check this out. Their favorite band was the Bad Brains. I started listening to the Bad Brains. I started loving the Bad Brains. I started playing in a punk rock band. So it defi- all that music, small music choices defined who I was. And it diversified you also. Absolutely. Because I grew up in like Italian white Staten Island, and when I heard Wu Tang, Staten Island guys, and I heard Beastie Boys, it changed how I you know I, I never heard music like oh they grew up in the projects with roaches in the Syria I'm like that's and then you realize that shit was real yeah. it diversified you yeah and then I, I would try to be cool and go to Park Hill like, but in the morning I'm like let's go to Park Hill and see <laughs> where they we'd go there like Wednesday morning just drive through like yeah, yeah hang out in Park <laughs> that's what I did when I went to L A I went to Compton and Crenshaw like in the middle of the day. <laughs> But yeah, I, you could say that hardcore music is is 
is white hip hop, mm-hmm. right? or you could say that hip hop music is black hardcore or black punk rock. You know, what I mean, it's just very socially conscious music at the time. Both of the musics have kind of went off the rails a little bit. You know, it's not really socially conscious as it was, but those things, you know, made you think a little bit more than a love song. So that's why it defined me. Give you, it gives you, and like I said, a being like a goomba type of kid growing up, all my goomba friends thought I was this like artsy kid because I'm listening, I'm going to CBGBs and seeing hardcore shows. And then all the kids I was meeting at CBGBs were like, wow, you're just a goomba from South Queens. That You're fucking interesting because you're you know, you Guido. I'm like, I was kind of stuck in between those. Well, I'm going to say three things you're stuck in. You're stuck in hip hop now, punk rock, and Guido. Three different styles. How'd you dress? To say I'm dressed the same way as I've always dressed. So, I, I, an undershirt, blue jeans, and Adidas, pretty much. Yeah, I don't see you ever. First of all, going like the velour outfit. I can never see you do. I have them. Did you? You I were still a velour guy. Them. I still have them. Yeah, yeah. I still sport. I still sport a Fila suit every now and again. Really? Yeah, on a Sunday. <laughs> on a Sunday, I'm going to the diner. Gold, because you're a watch guy. Gold chain? No, not a chain guy. Not a chain guy. I have been thinking about getting a pinky ring though. Really? Yeah. I, I went to a wedding you last pull, week. You can pull it off, though. You can. And I saw a couple of pinky rings, and I was I, I got my wife's initial mm-hmm. tattooed on my ring finger because I didn't want to wear a wedding ring. So I was telling her the other day when we were at that wedding, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to get a Cadillac pinky ring with a big Cadillac crest <laughs> on it with, like, a diamond or rubies and shit. And she's like, you wouldn't even get my fucking, you wouldn't even wear my ring, but now you're going to wear this big, gaudy-ass ring. But I got married uh, two months ago, and uh, I have a problem wearing the ring. Not, and I'm, I'm going to get her a J tattooed on me for Julia. I, I just don't like the feeling of the ring. Uh, two weeks ago, I have Diamond Dallas Page on my podcast. And he had his WWE Hall of Fame ring. I'm like, can I wear it? He's like, yeah. I didn't realize it. I wore it for like two hours during the podcast. And I took like 30 pictures. And Julia's like, wow, at 3.03 to 5.07, you had no yeah. problem wearing the ring. WWE Hall of Fame ring. You had no problem rocking that. Well, you're sitting here to- talking. You know what I mean? Like, I have to keep putting gloves on all day. You know, yeah, you have. Ex- I didn't even have an excuse. <laughs> but yeah, if you're at work, you have to. You know, yeah, I know. You get what they call it, gloved. Yeah, yeah. They call it when you when your ring catches on something and rips all the skin mm-hmm. of your finger off. Degloved. I think it's called gloved. De-gloved. Whatever it is, I don't want that shit to happen to me. <laughs> but it's not going to happen to doing. But it's still kind of gross. One other thing about the band, because the band thing fascinated the fuck out of me. We talked about it off air. You don't like traveling. As of right now, a few a few different things. Would you travel for good gigs? I know you traveled. No. You said the really no. I, I we have the opportunity, and just not into it. Not really. I, I mean, I have the opportunity. I could I could travel to a lot of different places for tattooing also, and I make a good money doing it too. I just still don't do it. And it's not something you want to do. Not something that interests me all that much. But again, like we've talked about this, because you're the travel guy and I'm not the travel guy. I think it has a lot to do with me being so New York centric. I love this so much that every other place I've been kind of disappoints me. It sounds shitty. It sounds like elitist, but it does. You, know, you go there, the buildings aren't as as you know big. The, the nothing is as good as here. The food's not as good. I like this the better. I like, I like every time I travel out, I just get annoyed mm-hmm. that I'm not in New York City. I love when I travel to like a place like Japan, which is militaristic. I'll tell you this. It's, it was like 3.30 in the morning, my first night in Japan. We went out to the bars. And we're getting ready to go back to the hotel. The hotel is right there across the street. It's 3 in the morning. There's not a car four miles each way. 
and there was like twelve people standing at the waiting for the white silhouette of a human to walk, and no one no one jaywalked. And I'm like, dude, this is the greatest place I've ever seen. Like, I love this shit. Like, you go. You like stuff. that though? I thought I liked it. I'm like, this is great. Then you're waiting there now, like forty seconds. I'm like, why is no one walking? I came back, and then you see people running in this, and I'm like, I miss this. And if it was the other way around, obviously, I'm like, I need to get back home where it's. But I love the the hustle and the yeah, muscle. love it. And then it's just the matter of just also just getting whatever you want whenever you want it. You know, if if you really want, you know, Chinese food at three thirty a.m., get in your fucking car and go to Wohop. You're eating Chinese food right on Mott Street. That's it. I mean, it's 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 got everything. It's it is quote unquote the city that never sleeps. But I'll tell you what it doesn't have. Okay. I just watched a documentary on this. It's the only great city in the world mm-hmm. that doesn't have a red light district anymore. They tore it down when they tore down Times Square. Definitely. Now, is that United States wise or that's no? Pretty much, they yeah. say in the in the world. Like when they tore down Times Square, we no longer have. Mm-hmm. I grew up. I grew up when pre-Disney Times Square. I used to go to Times Square all the time when I was a kid. And I was just, like, amazed at mm-hmm. it. You know, it was just, like, s- s- slimy almost. It was gross. Well, but back, it was cool. Back to Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn said, if back in the day, if you said your mother works on 42nd Street, you would get killed. And yeah. then he goes, now he goes, yeah, my mom does. She works at the, you know, yeah. at the opera. She works at Panera Bread. Yeah. <laughs> right on 42nd. I was one of the few, not few, of my friends, because everything's Staten Island-centric, they just thought the city was the greatest place in the world. So I would take the you know the 44 bus to the ferry, and I would walk around. I would go to Chinatown. I'm like, you can buy like nunchucks and little Chinese stars yeah, 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 yeah. and fireworks. I would come home with a whole bag of stuff. I was so fascinated with the city, and I would go to 42nd Street. It wasn't as bad, but it was still pretty shitty. Well, it was. I think it was about 95, mm-hmm. 96. Well, that's when I started going. I was when like they 14. really, really, really – I mean, I think I went there probably as early as 91. And it was still bad. That was bad, right? It was bad. It was bad. I mean, even when if you went to um, the bus terminal. Port Authority? was grimy. It's still shitty, but back then it must have been hell. Is it still is shitty? I don't go to Manhattan much. Yeah, it's, to Manhattan. It's, it's still pretty shitty. Yeah, Hol- it, it, it homeless was, and drug-wise shitty, not like crime-wise. This was more grimy with like hookers and stuff. Yeah, no, There's a ton of hookers. No, like no. Manhattan was like, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember one time driving in the car, and and I was driving, and and a friend of mine is in the in the front seat. The the hooker just like reached into the car and just stole his wallet. You know what I mean? Just just you know, she was like, you know, coming on to him, whatever, pickpocketed him. Love it. You know? It was cool shit like that happening, but it had charm. There was a lot of charm to this city back then. You know, I was in Brooklyn today. Brooklyn's got, it's, it's just, I mean, it doesn't have a lot of charm left. Uh, North Brooklyn. Yeah, like w- you, you were in like Williamsburg, Greenpoint. Yeah, there's no charm in Greenpoint, Williamsburg. It's transient people that are there for a year or two. Yeah, I was so, looking outside the window, and there was a there was a big hotel across the street, some fancy hotel, and there was a fucking pool on the roof. Oh, that's the McCarran pool at the. I think we were, at the, were you at the William Vale Hotel that was across. It's like the William Vale Hotel. Is, I think what I was looking at. Yes, and that pool is legit rooftop like rooftop hundred dollars to get up there, twenty three dollar drinks. Yeah, it looked like real bougie. I was like, eh, I get it. Not your thing, though, at all. No. That's not the New York you like. It, it, you knew it was there. You knew it was on the Upper West Side. You knew it was in Soho. You knew it was there. Yeah. But now they're just putting in places that it, you would have never dreamed to be in Brooklyn, that a rooftop pool. Yeah, I mean, you got people, they got uh, 
Bedford Stuyvesant, you know, I mean, the, the fucking sl- the slang for it was Bed Stuy Do or Die. I mean, it was fucking dangerous when I was, I used to go there when I was a kid. You know, I used to go, you know, buy weed or something going down there when I was a kid, and it was like super fucking dangerous. Now it's a whole bunch of like hipsters with rescue pit bulls and. The hipsters, you know, if you think about it truthfully, hipsters are like on paper pretty gangster. They move into the worst neighborhoods. Originally, they'll move there. Uh, yes. There's always been that. New mm-hmm. York City has always been a place where the artist type can come, go to a bad neighborhood, and just be the weird artsy guy mm-hmm. that gets this shit done. The Lower East Side, it happened to. It happened to tons of different places. The problem is not that first wave of hipsters, because they, they are ballsy. And they're usually cool as fuck. They open up you know, cool art studios, and they, they do it. It's the second wave. The second wave is when gentrification starts, and then they start, they kick those people out too. You know what I mean? They just let them people clean up the neighborhood a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they're like, all right, well, thanks, dude. You know, now you're going, you know, doctors and lawyers are moving into these apartments. It's the it's that second and third wave that really fucks us up. And you know what's fucked up? I'll tell you, I read a great, great, it was like a short, like, you know, expose, whatever, in the Times about Harlem, how... You know, they would have, like, you know, these hipster artists that moved into this loft, like a huge loft, paying, like, 500 bucks. Months, huge space. Now, Harlem's getting a little nicer. They bounced them. They broke that down to, like, three apartments, yeah. super small. And you know what the worst thing about the neighborhood is? And you know this. Just say, I moved there. Most of the people that move there, yeah, now they have a huge place in Harlem. But in the morning, they're Ubering down to Wall Street. They're eating in Wall Street. They're drinking in the village and Ubering back home. So they're not even putting any money into the Harlem yeah. community. So those local delis, restaurants, they're not reaping the benefits of these richer people moving in there. No. If anything, it's the complete opposite because their rent goes up five times. Yeah, because the asshole lawyer upstairs is paying $2,500. And he's like, whoa, I was paying 250 I mean, gentrification is a, is, a, is a legitimate, like, bad thing mm-hmm. for, you know, for cities. I mean, it's, it's a thing that the... Na- natives or whatever you want to call us will get angry at and people just think we're just, you know, salty assholes. Like, oh, you, you know, you can't afford it now, so you hate it. It's, it's legitimately bad for... I mean, look at San Francisco. In San Francisco, it's it, you have people that just want to work in, like, Starbucks or something like that, have to drive an hour and a half to where they can live because they have to work in Starbucks in San Francisco. You know what I mean? I, I saw it firsthand in, uh, in Greenpoint. All these... Uh... All these Polish people that have been there 100 years, 50 years, you have 60, 70, 80-year-old people now who have been there for 40 years in the neighborhood are getting bounced now. They, they were paying $400. Now that landlord, like, doing all this shady shit, getting evicted because they're going to put in the two hipsters paying $1,600 now. Yeah. Now these older Polish people have nowhere to go. They've been here for their whole lives. So that's – a lot of times it's it's not good. No, it's, it's, it's bad for and – it, and it kills any charm a neighborhood has. When there's no people that are from there. And it's all just transport. I mean, look at the Lower East Side. Yeah, oh, I know. The Lower East Side was like, you know, it was like a playground when you were a kid. You know, and I, I, I caught the end of it. Imagine what it was like in the 70s and 80s, how much fun it was. I was catching it in the 90s. You know what I mean? It was a fucking playground. You went there, you see, oh, it's, you know, bands are about to be famous playing in CBGBs. And you know what I mean? If you, you were into drugs, there was open air fucking drug markets almost. If you were into, you know... Hanging out in bars, there was some of the coolest bars, you know. It's all gone. All gone. All, all gone. gone. It, you know, I think Bourdain did a special, like Disappearing New York. All that stuff's gone. You get a few of the restaurants, like Cats and the Old Jewish. 
they'll always stick around because now they're touristy places. But the old gritty bars that were like, they weren't bad bars. They were fun bars and they were still dirty. All gone. I used to hang out one place on St. Mark's. I can't even remember what the name I think it was called Grassroots or something. Okay. Sawdust on the floor type of joint. No jukebox. You just drink. Mm-hmm. Just go there and fucking drink. It's mostly dudes just sitting around drinking. That was fun. We used to sit there and yell in there and scream in there. And it, was, it was all, you know, a couple different music venues that we would go see shows in over there on uh, Coney Island High and a couple different places. But all that shit is gone. Have you been to St. Mark's lately? Uh, I parked on St. Mark's. I didn't stop. It was a cool block when mm-hmm. I was a kid. It's, it's so different now. I mean, there's still, I guess... Remnants right of off Third Avenue mm-hmm. is where like that one block that was like super cool. That's not cool at all anymore. No, no. If you're getting towards the park, there's some cool stuff. There's you know, I think Fun City Tattoo Shop yeah. is on, uh, up on there still, and I think it's on St. Mark's. No, it is. And I was going to say second and third because that's what you're saying, closer to third. I know we're going very New York centric right now, but it's just like expensive Japanese places. And yeah, there's a gap is there. There's yeah. a gap there. <laughs> I mean, it used to be I went to rent an apartment there. When I was a kid, I looked at an apartment. No shit. It was $1,000 a month. It was up on top of uh, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. $1,000 a month. This was probably about 1993, um, maybe 1994. I wanted to rent an apartment. It was a shared bathroom for $1,000 a month back then. And I thought it was the coolest. You know, I was like, I want, again... Being from South Queens, all my friends are like, you must be fucking crazy if you're going to live there with a shared bathroom and stuff. But it was cool as shit. You know, it was a cool fucking place. And St. Mark's defined real New York because every tourist thought 42nd Street, but the New Yorkers were like, St. Mark's was... St. Mark's was... was that was a deuce. St. Mark's was the deuce. You, yeah. You'd feel cool walking down there. 42nd Street was more if you were, like, pervy. Yeah. You know, if you're, it was like, creepy a, as fuck it up was, there. It was real creepy. Being like a, you know, I was a, you know, now I'm a big fat guy, but back then I was I'm still a fat kid, but I, I was in better shape than I am now. I'd be like 17, 18 years old walking, you know, on on 42nd Street and all like the, the hustlers and do, you know, the dudes were like whistling at you almost. It was wild. Were, were you a bad kid growing up? No. I, I wasn't a good kid, but I wasn't a bad kid. I, like I used to fight a lot, like fist fights, but that was it. How, about, how about school-wise? School-wise, it was bad. I was a truant. I just didn't go. You just didn't go. What school did you go to? I went to Catholic school for grammar school, and then I went to Catholic high school for the first year, and I got kicked out of And then I went to public school, and I had, like I said, I was a Catholic school kid my whole life, so I was like, they don't care if we go or not in public school, so I just, I went to a couple different schools. And you just didn't go? John Adams, and then I wound up in um, a school called Middle College, which is like a school for children at risk. It was mostly like kids who like to fight and truants and pregnant girls All right. type of deal. All right. And I graduated from there. I'd be kicking myself in the ass if we didn't talk about tattooing because your name is heavy tattooing. It is. It's all right, yeah. You have a heavy name in tattooing. I'm not going to When did you start tattooing? Where would the love of the ink and needle come? Because it's different. Like I'm all tatted up. I like tattoos. To want to do it as a profession, it's weird. It's a weird profession to do. Where'd it may have been from? even a little weirder when I started. It was pre-television, tattoo television and everything. So it's, it was probably, I started getting tattooed when I was 15 or 16. Uh, I liked it. I had a corporate job. I worked for Bell Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hated it. Uh, 
And then I remember I had Fridays off, which was a weird, like, weekday having off. So I said, oh, you know, I'm going to go get a tattoo. I'm going to go get a tattoo. And I kept, started getting tattooed a lot more. I already had, like, two half sleeves or whatever, like the tops of my arms done. And then I remember, and this is a true story, I remember, like, waking up, like, I was going to have to go for work early. And I was like, right, I'm going to get a tattoo today, but... I don't got to go until, I can't go over there till like 2 o'clock. And I remember thinking in my head, like, wow, these motherfuckers go to work at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a tattooer. Just because I wanted to wake up at like noon and shit. You just like the hours. I like the hours the most. I always could draw. I always draw punk rock flyers and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I did it more, I think, for just like the lifestyle. And I wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. Like a punk rocker going on tour and, and hanging out and playing shows. And I wanted to do that first. That didn't pan out. Corporate America working for Bell Atlantic for the union. It was a good job. Everybody was like, yo, you hit the fucking lottery. 30 years, you're out. I did four years. I was like, I'm not doing this for fucking 30 years. I'm out. And I left, and I started to, and it was the best decision I ever made. When I have athletes on, I'm like, dude, who'd you look up to? LeBron James, Mickey Mantle and stuff. Tattooing-wise, and when you were going to the tattoo places, it wasn't like it is now where it's everywhere – like you said, I want to talk about that in a minute. Like the reality TV shows, it's everywhere. It's in your face now. It was a little more, you know, not underground, but it wasn't everywhere. It was illegal. Yeah, it wasn't everywhere. So what, oh, you were getting tattoos when they were illegal? Sure. I got a ton of tattoos when they were illegal. Really? Yeah. So who'd you like look up to? Was there a guy like, this is my guy or? I mean, um, this shop is named R&D. Originally, I'm the R now, but originally it was a guy called Rob Freund and my partner, Dave Mowers. They opened up. They were tattooing since the late 80s, early 90s, in this neighborhood, underground, when it was illegal, 1997, they opened up here. Uh, I'd got been getting tattooed by Rob for a very long time. There was also a guy, Peachy Aquinto, in my neighborhood, in Ozone Park, who I'd seen all the people in the neighborhood. They all had tattoos from him. It wasn't household names like it is now. You know what I mean? Like, you could, you could ask my mom. Hey, do you know any tattoo artist names? And she she could drop a Kat Von D or yeah. something on you. You know what I mean? Or an Ed Hardy even. Who Ed Hardy is important and did a lot for tattooing. I'm not putting him in the same category as that. But these weren't, there was no famous tattooers. It was just a guy. They were neighborhood famous. Neighborhood famous. Yeah, neighborhood famous. Like you knew the guy in your neighborhood. Like I'm sure Staten Island growing up, you heard, you know, oh, like everybody goes to Ron Lopez. You know what I mean? Because that was the Staten yeah. Island guy, you know, you know. So, you had some of that. Who Was that the famous guy when you were growing up? Yeah, it was, or, right. it was already It was already legal. By yeah, the time it, was, it was established. So, it was, the thing that was underground for, well, I hate the underground, was this guy called Mystical Mike, and he would do the piercings. Okay. And that was like, he would do it to all the underage kids. So, it was like underground right, for right, us. Right. I was like 15, going to get my tongue pierced and get like my nose done. I was like 50, so that was like the underground guy. You'd have to go and like, his mom's basement and stuff. So that was like underground piercing wise, just because we were underage though. But it was legal when I was right, right. It's been legal <clears> since. <throat> so those guys influenced me. Later on, I got to know some, you know, pretty well known old timers. My friend Ronnie, who tattooed in Brooklyn in the seventies, now he tattoos out in the Poconos. Tony Polito, Richie Montgomery, a lot of these dudes like definitely completely took me under their wing. And showed me, you know, they really helped me out. Now, if I want to go be a tattoo guy, you know, you go to school, apprenticeship. It's kind of like a, a format to do it. If you want to be a tattoo artist, you probably, you There's can. There's still no format in New York City. 
No. No. So, there's, but, a, there's certain things like you have to do a legitimate apprenticeship in places like New Jersey. Okay. You have to like sign off and go to the Board of Health, and they have to have a certain amount of affidavits from clients that say you didn't make them sick and so on. But anything at all having to do with tattooing only has to do with the health. Never has to do with art because art is it's, it's relative. It's, if you think it's good or somebody else can think it's bad. So it has nothing to do with the art. It only has to do with the health precautions. When was the age when you're like, I'm doing this is it? Artists I was older. I was older when I started. Oh, well, I knew as soon as I quit my job. I mean, I quit of $80,000 a year job. And how old are you? My mid-20s. Oh. Everybody thought I was fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, said, you know, if you want to do this, I'll pay the rent until wow. you figure this out. Because uh, she's the best. And um, I never let her pay the rent. I was bouncing in bars at, mm-hmm. at night and stuff like that. But I think I pretty much didn't look back. When I was ready to said this is what I'm going to do, I was like, I'm either going to be really good at this or really bad at this, but I'm just going to do this. And, and these guys saw your passion? They're like, all right, come with us, kid. We're going to show you the ropes? No, it's it was more that I was just like a, you know, there's so many like out-of-towners here, and they're just like, all right, this is like, you know, a fat kid from the neighborhood. He gets it. You know, and he's 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 like us. You know, I mean, it was just more friendly in the sense that, you know, I grew up with Italian grandparents, and I would talk to them about having fig trees and having to wrap it up at the, you know, mm-hmm. you have to wrap up the fig tree for the winter or else the figs all die. And it's like, oh, yeah, we used to do that, too. And it was more just like neighborhood shit that we were talking about. And they'd be, they're like, all right, this kid's all right. So your personality sold you a lot on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that much art ability. I get by on neighborhood charm. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm serious. I, I, I pretty much work in the classic... New York City style traditional tattooing is pretty much what I work. The style. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I saw your styles on Instagram, on Twitter. Now you're on Twitter, and I'm here in the shop, and it is old classical traditional. I know you can do everything. What makes you? Is this your? I, I can't zone? do everything. Oh, really? No, I I, I, I could I could dip my toe in some of the pools, but I'm not doing photorealism or realistic tattoos. I do pretty much mostly American traditional New York City style tattoos, which is a little bit heavier of a. A tattoo, uh, people will say, which is a pretty smart thing. People say, oh, I do tattoo-style tattoos because it's classic, mm-hmm. timeless-style designs. Again, I can draw those, but I can't, you know, if somebody says, hey, draw me a picture of, you know, doing oil painting. I'm not that type of artist. You know what I mean? I just, I'm a street guy, you know, can figure out how to draw a couple of roses and, you know, make something nice, have, you know, a couple of eagles or something. That's what I do. Is the traditional stuff your comfort zone? Is that what you love doing? It's what I love doing, yeah. I think it's the best style of tattoos because it's, it's proven. It's, and and I, it was invented in New York City. Of course it was. And you 1897. Said, really? Electric tattooing, yes. And, and you said the word timeless. It is because those old tattoos never go out of style. No. And if you, if you, in a shop like this setting where you've, we've continued to do them, and you'll see this neighborhood is filled with people who have traditional tattoos, it's more... That's what they think a tattoo looks like. If grandma dies, they say, oh, my grandma died. Can, you know, can you put rest in peace, put a rose and put her name in the banner? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, there are other people who say, oh, I want her portrait on me. And I want it to be, you know, a photorealistic portrait of grandma. And that's fine, too. And I, I love looking at that stuff. I just don't like doing it. I like doing the rose because I think it's timeless. And it's still going to look like a rose, you know. 
one year old. I mean, first time I met your dad, we sat and talked, and I, you know, knew exactly who's who, who's tat- who tattooed him. It was my friend Tony, and I his tattoos were super readable, and they were old. Yeah, they were forty years old, right? Yeah, and I was like, it's, oh, who did that eagle? Who did that this? That, who did that? That this? blew my mind that you, because Julia always told me my wife was like, oh yeah, my brother in law. Famous tattoo guy, famous tattoo guy. I'm like, okay, obviously, she has great work on her. And then you notice my dad's stuff. And when you notice the shit, and then I'm, I talk to your brother. He's like, yeah, he's like a tattoo historian. A little bit. And I want to get that, but I have to ask you one question a little off the cuff. Okay. I don't watch NYPD Blue or law enforcement shows because, for me, it's, like, so unrealistic. I have problems watching, like, those crime shows. I'm like, that can't happen. That's not real. It sounds corny. Do you watch LA Inc. or Ink Masters or stuff like that? Can you watch that? I have I have degrees of tattoo television. There's certain degrees of like I've I think there's good tattoo television. There's something that's almost neutral and there's stuff that's actually very bad for tattooing and very irresponsible. And then you have like documentary style stuff about tattoos which would be maybe like a history channel. They do like the prison tattoos mm-hmm. or the Russian gang tattoos or Viceland has a show, Tattoo Age. I've been on it a couple times. I was going to say, you were on a documentary on Vice. That's documentary style. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's good for tattooing. It's, 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 it's forwarding the art. Then you have like the reality television shows like the LA Inc. and stuff like that, which are, they're just reality shows based in a tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. So, whether you like reality shows or not reality shows, it just happens to be something like that. But I'm pretty neutral on those. Okay. I just don't really, I don't care for them. But I don't care for any reality TV show. You know, I don't want to watch The Real Housewives or somewhere else either. But I think shows, Ink Master to a degree, and especially this new television show they have on, on MTV. I, I don't know if did you see this one that I have on MTV. No. Well, I got a show on MTV, which is like, me and you say, we go to a tattoo shop. Or tat- their fucking studio. It's this cunt Snooky from fucking... Okay, uh, Jersey Shore. She's the host. Oh, God. She knows a lot about tattoos. Of course, yeah. So, me and you go to the shop, and we might be, like, kind of friends, but have, like, had a falling out. And you pick my tattoo, and I pick your tattoo, and we have, like, blindfolds on. And, like, you know, they have, like, tattooing douchebag on this girl. It's completely irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I think like the Ink Master stuff can be kind of irresponsible too because they they put these people. There's one guy got they were tattooing his head for like six hours, and he went into shock. They had to call an ambulance. I, I think that stuff that's competition type of shows. Yeah, I think that's very irresponsible. Like rushing rushing a tattoo and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's just it's it, this is a uh, this is a service industry. These people are just self serving assholes. They just you know want what to I mean? be on that TV. Now. It's we're not supposed to be the. The, we're supposed to be the means to an end. You know, you come in and say, hey, Rich, I want to get a tattoo. You know, I just had a new kid. You know, the tattoo is the important part. That I did it is not. You know, I don't have to put my style mm-hmm. on it. And this, So I think it's a very self-serving, especially the, the MTV one. I don't know what it's called, but I fucking hate it. It sounds horrible. It's it's very irresponsible. It's not, it's, 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 it's making a mockery as something that, it's been around since the beginning of time, tattooing. Cavemen, you know, they find, they dig up bodies. These motherfuckers had tattoos. I'm glad you actually brought up since the beginning of time, because that's going to go into my next thing. Everyone now has tattoos. Everybody. You Everyone. you can, 
you, no one gets a second look. I rolled up today to the shop. The dude had a tattoo on his head. I didn't even say, oh, what? It's just so commonplace now that everyone has it. Good thing or a bad thing? It's good for business, but is it a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I don't know that it's that it's good for business. No, because now more people get tattoos. Uh, yeah, but more people get them. More people give them also. The more people that get them, okay. the more people give sure. them. I think that's that okay. kind of even. Okay. I don't think it. I think that that's pretty even. Um, that more people have good tattoos than ever, mm-hmm. but more people also have bad tattoos than ever because everyone's giving them now yeah so there's a lot of people in the in in that are watching t- television so it's like this and say oh, i'm gonna go buy you know you could buy a tattoo kit off of amazon for like 16 or 17 bucks the whole outfit i had to buy you know mine was over a thousand bucks the first one you know and you know i've spent thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars on equipment 17 dollars you know they say it's not the you know, it's not the carpenter, it's, the, it's not the tool, it's the carpenter, blah, blah, blah. But still, you have to spend some money on, on this type of gear. So you have a lot of people doing shit out of their house that really shouldn't be doing it. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's because everybody, it's acceptable to have them now mm-hmm. that it makes more people also do them. Yeah, it which thinks that you're be, acceptable to give it and you're not. Yes. And, and I do not personally care for not scaring people anymore it was cooler when you know i have my hands all my fingers done and shit like that why you know give the teller money at the bank you know it's a it was a little scary like Mm -hmm. you could see you could see it in their face now that it i don't even they don't even notice you know it used to be like you go to a restaurant you know and an you know t-shirt on or something going to a restaurant they were like at first, they're a little taken back, you know. Now you None have Adam, Adam Levine rocking two sleeves. Yeah, no one even cares. One very bit. normal. Where do you get? Because I know you have memorabilia, and I like. I'll tell you what I like. I'm not a memorabilia guy. I'll never go buy an A Rod jersey. Uh, the, I think my only piece of real memorabilia is like two seats from Yankee Stadium in my house. But every guest who comes on my show, like I had an astronaut on, so I made him sign like an, an astronaut figure. Right. Well, I'll, I'll make a boxer send me their gloves, like just. I put it in a box, just weird shit. Like, saw in my bobblehead, you were on my show. I think, like, weird stuff is cool. I know you collected a lot of shit throughout the days. Yes. Give me I, some of your cool memorabilia that you have. Well, I'll tell you this about memorabilia. I have a lot of memorabilia, but most, most if not all of it, were gifts from the person that made it. Okay. So, I have a lot of old stuff. It's stuff that was kind of more handed down to me. Because, you know, they were retiring or they had passed away or whatever it was. So I have a lot of memorabilia like that as opposed to there are there is a big section of tattooing, though, that people are like memorabilia collecting. Like we mentioned Sailor Jerry before when we were off air. Yeah. One of his sheets of flesh costs you six or seven thousand dollars. You know, a sheet of flesh like this is 11 by 14. Sure. Six or seven grand easy. I wouldn't buy something like that. I think it's crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the memorabilia I do have were more gifts. I think, I think it's like almost it, it becomes like baseball cards, you know? Like leave it to fucking white people to make fucking yeah, of course, a Mickey Mantle fucking card that much money. Like, now, let me ask you, why wouldn't you want uh, like one of those sheets from him, from Jerry? Like why now? Because there's no personal. I have no personal connection okay, to him, and that's my thing too. Yeah, I have to have a personal connection to said thing. I got like a tattoo machine. That was owned by a very famous tattooer that I had no collection connection to. I sold it almost immediately. 
But then I have other ones that from less well-known guys that were important that are important or were important to me that I wouldn't part with for anything. I would hand them to a younger tattooer eventually because then it would mean something. You know, I'll give away a lot of memorabilia mm-hmm. that I have to younger tattooers because it passed from old timer to me. And I always say that all I want to be is a link in the chain of tattooing. I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to stop at me. I don't want it, you know. What's the brick right there? Because the brick uh, has some meaning, right? This brick was from Tony Polito's shop, which was uh, 742 Lefferts Avenue, Crown Heights. Uh, it was the longest running tattoo shop in New York City from 59 to, well, it was two locations, but from 59 to 2012, he ran a business out there through the illegal years. And when they knocked the building down, we all took some bricks. And what sheets? Because I know you have one. Which which sheet on there is from? Don't you have one from him also? A couple of these here are from from uh, Tony from 1968, 1970s. He's a very important figure in New York City tattooing because he was one of the one guy, one of the few guys that stayed when they made it illegal. Everybody cleared out of Coney Island and all those places. They all uh, were getting out of here. He stayed in New York. You know what I mean? He stayed. Did it illegally in Crown Heights. They called it Pigtown back then. Real bad element. You know, the worst form of, forms of humanity were getting tattooed. It's another thing about tattooing. It's like we tattoo soccer moms now. Soccer moms weren't getting tattooed in 1965. It was bad, bad, bad people. You know, so he dealt with the lowest of the low, the grimiest of the grimy. You know tattooed them I mean? up. Tattooed them all. You know, tons of them a week. Hundreds of people a week because he's the only guy in town. And he stayed, so you, you you appreciate and respect that, that he didn't leave New York and he stayed. Yeah. I consider him the greatest of all time, which is an argument that I, I make, mm-hmm. but just because of that factor. Because he is, I mean, the, in the conditions that he was working, uh, to, to do anything and not get killed. Yeah, I was going to say him walking around the neighborhood, scary. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was, it was back when that whole area there, I mean, he was tattooing. Hoods, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Legit gang members, every yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about like some some dude that's like in some bullshit gang. I'm talking about gangsters. You know what I mean? Like you know, mafioso and hoods. You know what I mean? These are the people that got tattooed. When did he pass away? He passed away two years ago. And you had a good relationship with him, or yeah, he was like one of my best friends. You know, I like traveled a bunch. I drove him to Florida a bunch of times. Did he give you any of your tattoos? He tattooed me a couple times. He tattooed me a couple times. He was. I'm actually going at the end of the month to, I go, last year on the anniversary of his death, I went to go visit his wife in Florida, and this year, a couple, in about a month or two, in September, I'll go down visit her. Hey, he was a good dude. You mentioned Ed Hardy quick. Uh, most of the people are like, oh, Ed Hardy, the hats and the shirts. What did he do for the tattoo business? Because you said he did a lot for it. Hardy was integral in taking this out of the, taking this out of the gutter. You know, he made it acceptable. He was the first. I mean, I could probably get in trouble for saying this, but he's like the first like tattoo nerd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas like a guy like uh, he really brought it. He went. He traveled to Japan. He saw how they were doing it. He, you know, he 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 legitimized a lot of this. You know, he was just doing custom tattoos where he was just drawing it once, right on the skin, and doing it and never doing it again. That that was unheard of. Everybody worked off with these called these flashboards. 
you know, it was the designs that you had to choose from. You weren't if you and went there and said you'd go in there and you pick one, but give me this. I'm yeah. like, and, and Ed Hardy was just like, okay. Ed Hardy kind of like was the first dude who was like, you don't need to pick it off the wall. I'll draw it for you. You want a giant dragon on your whole arm? We'll do a giant dragon on your whole arm. He's he legitimized a lot, and he he got he gets a lot of uh, blowback because of the clothing line and everything like that. But I think a dude's like, I think he sued that guy and got like a hundred million bucks. Well, what was it? Someone used? I don't, know. I don't know that clothing line. I don't think I think that there was like some discrepancy. I, you'd have to research that to know the exacts of it. But I think he that guy was using his name without quite having his permission really but yeah. even if you didn't you i know you want to oh let me do this you're selling out you can make 50 million dollars but put any picture you want on clothing i don't care at that point yeah i think that may be his mentality i know you uh tattooed the stefano he's pretty much a celebrity he had a comedy central special yeah. so who else i know who else did you uh no i haven't i've tattooed like just straight up like neighborhood like knuckleheads you know that's why i named the show that i, I don't really <laughs> tattoo like I haven't really tattooed too many, like, uh, celebrity clients at all. You know, a couple people that, I mean, off the top of my head, my, my pal Brian Newman, he's got the check mark next to his name on Instagram. I mean, I guess, you know, he's famous in uh, the jazz yeah, he, the he, jazz world. Yeah, he's famous with Lady Gaga, so he's super famous. Yes, but he's a jazz musician. But it's, you know, a couple, like, minor league baseball players, I don't remember their name. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even remember. I think one kid that had a cup of coffee with the Mets. You know what I mean? Like, it was cool for me because I'm a giant Mets fan. Yeah, but you don't seem like a guy who gets starstruck, though, right? No. I don't give a shit. I don't... I don't... Yeah, you don't seem like a guy who would be like, holy shit, who's coming on? I gotta be... You don't seem like that kind of guy. No, I don't I don't think... Definitely not... Fame doesn't... I, sometimes I will... If I have the ultimate respect for somebody, like, because of something they accomplished, mm-hmm. then maybe... Like, who would you fanboy out with? I probably would only fanboy out with, like, the 86 Mets. Okay. Um, Daryl and Doc you'd flip out with? Yeah. Gary Carter was my... Uh, was your guy? Gary Carter and Keith Hernandez were my guys. All right. Uh, I actually seen Keith Hernandez one time in, in the street, and uh, I was, like, drunk, and I'm, like, yelling at <laughs> yelling at, well, yelling at him. And he's like, why don't you guys grow the fuck up? And we were, like, cheering because, like, we got told, like, Fuck off pretty much like but like that's what you want to get from Keith Hernandez. You don't want him to be nice to you. Yeah, like, oh hey guys, thank you for being a No, fan. you want uh, him to tell you to fuck off. That's the best way. Like, you know. I think uh one of my pals, Jay, is a giant Yankee fan. He like I think Goose Gossage told him to fuck off too, and he was like stoked on it. You know, it's cooler that way. It's a better story. Yeah, than shaking Jeter's hand telling you thank yeah. you. Donald Trump kicked me out of Chase Stadium. That's a cool story. Let me hear. Uh I was drunk. <laughs> Again, I was drunk. I went down to the front seat, you know, the first seat. <laughs> and I was like, you know, being obnoxious, drunk, and me and a couple of friends. Both of them are fucking dead now. Uh, and I turned around, Donald Trump was behind me. And, you know, I'm a punk rock kid, and I'm like, you're telling me this fucking punk rock kid from South Queens got better seats than fucking Donald Trump? You know what I mean? This was in the early 90s. He was with Maul and Maple, so okay. it's a long time ago. And he was being like a douchebag. He was like signing dollar bills and giving them to people. I don't like that guy. But, uh, yeah, he they called security, and they had me removed from the stadium. So, like, a little tiny part of me, like, kind of wanted him to be president so I could say I got kicked out of Shea Stadium. 
by the president of the United States? Because that's the ultimate New York City card, right? Yeah, of course. I got kicked out of Shea Stadium in the 1990s when the Mets were like 2 and 160 <laughs> by Donald Trump. I have a connection now to a president. I'll, you, I'll tell you mine. So uh, I was on like ESPN radio down in Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky basketball guy, so they always have me on. And I, uh, they asked me like my five dream podcast guests. And I was like, Bourdain was one. Uh, Opie from Opie and Anthony was two. I think I'm like three. I'm like, I, always, I want to interview a president. I said, uh, Obama just did Mark Maron's show. Uh, I guess Trump was running for president with Hillary. And I don't want to talk politics. I said, you know what? George Bush, because he owned the Rangers, would be my dream guest. So I go home. Listen how OCD I am. No, not, I didn't tell anybody this story, really. I, uh, I write a letter to George Bush. Come my podcast. Nothing. Then I'm like, fuck. I'm like OCD, harassing, annoying. That's how I got a job at Opie. I harassed him for like eight years. So I sent Bush like seven letters. And then they sent back the generic, uh, oh, thank you for your interest in having him. Like at a, It was completely generic, sent back. So I'm like, oh, I wrote right back, Rich. I'm like, that's not acceptable. Right, right. You're coming on my show. So we're going back and forth. I'm going to be honest, probably around, I sent around 20 letters. They sent three, the same exact letter. So I wrote back, listen, please stop sending the same letter back to me. And I, I told them what I did for profession. I'm like, um, I think I sent them a CD. I'm like, here's my show. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you crazy questions. I'll fly they wrote back, no, no, again, same generic one. I'm like, listen, please stop sending back the generic question. I'm never going to stop writing to you. Right, right, right. Now, Julia, we were dating. She's like, the CIA is going to come for you. Right. I'm like, I'm never going to stop writing to you until you respond. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'll come to – you're going to tell me in the next year you don't have 20 minutes free to talk baseball? That's it. They, they, they personalized the letter to me. Thank you so much. They told me exactly what I did for work. You know, they we, – we, 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 uh, we didn't get a chance to listen to the Mike Saffold podcast. They made it personal. Right, 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 right. But unfortunately, he's unable to do any shows. So I wrote back, which I sent around 20 letters. So I wrote back two weeks ago, Mike, listen. Here's another letter. I haven't wrote to you in three months. I now want either you listen to one of my shows and critique it, or please send me up an autographed baseball. That's how I wrote to him. I get a package in the mail. He sent me up an autographed book to Mike. You know, I got, so I got an uh, autographed book That's now. Great. What do I do? I wrote back next day. I asked for an autographed baseball. So I'm waiting now because that's like my OCD thing now to have him on is I keep writing to him, writing to him. So your connection with Trump, I got my autographed book now from Bush. I I told this one dude, I tattooed one dude that's like uh, John Franco's like nephew. So I kept telling him I wanted a John Franco autographed baseball, but I wanted it in a mason jar full of his sauce. <laughs> I kept on. I was like, "That's why." So he would bring me like a John Franco picture autographed. You know, it's cool, but I wanted that would because you know he used yeah. to grow tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Shea Stadium bullpen. I wanted a mason jar with his sauce with the ball pop right on top, John Franco, to make it special and personal, right? Yeah. That's so that's a memorabilia I'd want. And that I think that stuff is the cool shit. Yeah. Any, anyone can have a, a baseball signed, and even if it's personalized, that's cool. But to have like I make. Guys come on, sign their action figures for me. Like Shane McMahon came on my show. Right, right, right. I make him sign the and I make him sign like to Mike, my all time best friend. Like I make like Hoist Gracie came on. I made him sign a gee. To Mike, you are my best friend. Like I make him sign <laughs> yeah. like Oakley, like to Mike, you should have been on the night like the ninety four Knicks. Like I make them write stupid shit and they do it. They do it. Yep, yeah, I, I I didn't hang him up yet. One thing you know that surprised me, because you, you look at yourself, big dude, tattooed up, little Italian, you know, accent and stuff. And you're freaked out by death because I want to talk about murderabilia because we talked about that on your show and yeah. that stuff freaks you out. I'm scared of anything occult. I'm very, very scared of uh, ghosts, 
I don't know, maybe I was Catholic, altar boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's some of that stuff, like, seeping in from in my brain. But anytime, like, Ouija boards, death. I don't like it. I'm scared of it. I'm the first. I, I'm the first dude to admit that of, of shit I'm scared of. Like there was a cockroach in the shop one day, like like a year ago. I ran out front, and I was I, Dave, my partner. I was like, "Yo, Dave, you gotta kill that cockroach." And me and my customer both, my pal RJ, big shout out to RJ. We ran out front, and he he killed the cockroach. I don't like shit like that. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not at all. Uh, Worried about my masculinity when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I'll fight ten dudes. I'm not going to kill a mouse. Let me ask you if this freak, freaks you out. My grandfather just passed away like a month ago. My hero. My hero in life. But around five years ago, he uh, he went. He was in the hospital. He had an aneurysm. They, they didn't think he was going to make it. He came out fine. Like, he drove till his dying day. So I said, Grandpa, I want to do something different. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, this is going to sound fucked up. I started a podcast. I'm like, I want to do a podcast with you. But I want to do it. No one will ever hear it until you're dead. True story. And he's like, what? So I interviewed my grandfather for like 40 minutes. Yeah. And on the podcast. Like, That's awesome though. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, we're saying this podcast. No one's ever going to hear this until you're dead. So like, I interviewed him about the whole family, about his whole life. So it's like 45 minutes. And at the end, I'm like, what do you have, like? What do you have to say to everybody? You're dead. So he said like, a, you know, thanks for putting it. made it like really emotional. And that was it. And I gave it to everyone. At his funeral, I'm like, hey, here's the link to uh, if you want to hear right, it. Right, right. Would that stuff like that bother you or no? No. Okay. Like, I have, a, you I have a YouTube channel, which Tattoo Movies is my YouTube thing. And I did a documentary film called The Sit Down with five, the five tattooers I probably respect the most in the game. Two of them have since passed away. I watch it all the time. Okay. I'm glad that I did it. My friend's daughter that passed away, she's like, I'm so glad you got... You know, my dad talking on tape about tattooing because he was a pretty much a guy that, you know, pretty kept, much kept to himself. So sentimental stuff, like, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. It's just the actual... I, I'm talking more about hauntings. So no psychic. You would never go to a psychic. To- never go to a psychic. Like, m- more stuff like that. It just scares me. I don't, I don't just, it's just one of those things I don't, I don't play with. Yeah. You know, I don't play with. I don't even like movies about that type of shit. Like, I like The Omen or The Exorcist. I watch them and stuff, but, like... Eh, I'm a little funny with them. I, I you, just, you don't. I uh, so I'm not not that I'm scared of it. I'm not sound like a tough guy, but I don't want to talk shit about it. Like people are like, I don't be like you're going through a psychic. That stuff's not real. I'll never say that because that I feel like it'll jinx it. I'm like I'll just yeah, stay in my own just my stuff own lane. You don't play with. I'll stay in my own lane. I won't mention it. I have my thoughts. I won't say them aloud. I'm I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to tons of shit. I'll be the first to fucking admit it. What else are you scared of? I'm terrified of heights. Like, I I punched one of my friends one time because we were in that fucking thing on the Bronx Zoo where they, you know, yeah. that little car that goes across the monorail, not the monorail, you know what I'm talking and about, exactly the little, yeah. and he's like fucking shaking it and hanging, I was like pinned in the corner, like, dude, as soon as we get off this thing, I'm fucking punching you in the fucking face, and I hit him. I just got back from Chicago, I was on like the 102nd floor with the glass floor, you would never- Fuck do- no. Yeah. I don't even like to go near the window. Come on. I won't go near a window if I'm high up. I won't go on a ladder. But flying bother you or no? Flying or? I don't love it. It's different though. Yeah. I don't love flying. I, I But I, I don't like to... Uh, anything with having to do with heights. I, so I'm those daredevil videos, they like, they bother you when you watch like someone like walking on the glass bridge and stuff? Can you even watch them? No. I, I, I won't even look at them. I won't even look at them. I don't like... And I don't like gory stuff either. Oh, no. Like some dude the other day like... 
not that long ago, he's like, hey, check this out. He hands me his phone, and it's some dude, like, talking in a car, and all of a sudden, they're, like, playing with a gun, and the gun goes yeah. off and shoots him in the face. I was like, what the fuck did you show me this for? I don't want to fucking see this. Yeah, I can't watch that. People like... Uh, I, I don't want to see somebody die. It's yeah. going to fucking haunt me. Yeah, in my profession, people are like, oh, look at this picture. I, I don't like seeing no. that stuff. And you know what? That's why I don't... This is going to sound fucking horrible. I don't like watching UFC because I don't like watching people getting straight up beat up. I don't like that stuff. Box. I love boxing. Uh, let me tell you something. I used to have to take Xanax to see my brother fight. How'd you even do that? Because I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to myself a little bit. I have a lot of boxers on my show and a lot of fighters. I, you know, once you sit down with somebody for an hour, there's a f- connection forever. Like you said, it's intimate. How do you even watch? And I watch someone fight. I'm like, fuck, so-and-so's fighting tonight. How do you watch your brother fight? It was hard. And your younger brother. Ten years. Ten years younger. So it's like, a little, I think it's actually a little more than ten years. And, you know, I mean, that's my baby brother. So, like, to see him fighting in the ring was like, we're talking about Will. Yeah. Uh, Will Rosinski was my little brother. Um yeah, it used to really, really bother me. Like, my wife would be like, no, like, don't, like, talk to me too much during that day. It would, like, really bother me. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, if he got hit, I wanted to hit somebody, you know. Me and Joe got into, like, a giant I, fight after. I actually want to ask you, how do you deal with the crowd? Because obviously the crowd's f- split, and they, now they're booing your brother. They want your brother to get the shit beat out of him. How do you deal with that? Well, my brother got robbed. He got robbed like, oh, a 10-0. Legit robbed. Legit robbed. Yeah. So me and we're yelling, you know, I'm kind of like yelling and going like to the, like yelling at the judge and me and Joe, my other brother, who's your brother-in-law, we're standing in the, uh, we're standing like getting towards the ring. I'm trying to yell at the judge and this, uh, he fought a Dominican dude, my brother, uh, Edwin Rodriguez. So I go back to my seat and Joe's still like in the, in the middle, um, and I see Joe getting mad, and I know Joe, obviously, you know, it's my brother. I, I'm like, oh, shit, this might get ugly. And Joe just starts fucking dropping Dominicans like dominoes. Hey, I heard he was throwing haymakers. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, like, behind, like, the 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 thing, like, you know, like, the seat. There's, like, the... And I'm big and fat, so I go to jump over the fucking thing, and I'm like, I'm not jumping over this. So I had to run all the way down the aisle and come back around. So I'm running back down to, to, to go at these dudes, and I just got... I, 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 he must have been a boxer because he's just fucking. Somebody just got me from behind, cracked me, broke my jaw. Really? Yeah, yeah. We were, we were, yeah. And where's Will? So Will has this. Will is is already in, in the, the dressing room. You know what I mean? And a bunch of my gorilla friends are up in the the rafters. They're seeing you fight, but now. they're taking it. So taking, you know, it's a long time to get for them to get down. So he, they're start. I'm starting to see them coming down, but by that time the cops are already there. I kind of got sucker punched, like, almost right into a cop. I was, like, out on my feet. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even throw a punch. Joe was knocked, uh, knocked a couple of them. Yeah, I heard he told me. It, when I met with an animal. Yeah, Joe told me, Joe was like, oh, my brother got robbed. And everyone always says that. And then I've had boxers on my show, heavyweight boxers. Adam Konesky is about to fight Wilder for the title. And your brother comes to the boxing shows. Every guy who comes on knows Will. Yeah. And, like, bro, you got robbed. That's the first thing they say to him. Everybody's like, bro, you got robbed so bad that fight. 10 0. Yeah, and, and everyone said it could have went 10 0 the other way or even 8 2. It wasn't even. It could have been a draw. I watched it the other night. I watched it the other night, as a matter of fact, because my wife was like, hey, listen, you know, we still have a DVR'd. Wow. On the, on the, and she's like, I got I to get rid of this box. You know, we got to send this box back. We're going to get a so new one. So you want to watch it one more time? So let me watch it. And I, I was watching it. And yeah, I mean, even if it was a tie, 
it, it could have been acceptable, but he was, uh, yeah. I mean, but Will was self-managed at the time. This kid, Rodriguez's career, I don't think ever really amounted no, to No, and much. they thought it was going to, so they needed him to sell. Went, yeah. I, I heard he got, you know, big signing bonuses and shit. Yeah. So, you know. You're gonna, it was a, a marketing thing. You're to, not going to, you know. And then I think that dude, I mean, I was barking at that dude online and shit, too. Um, I think that dude, uh, he fought, who was the Olympian that he fought? No, it was the big payday. After that one, he had a payday fight. Yeah, I, he fought a couple fights and then he fought, um, the guy, he was the Olympian, but he, he didn't even stay in the ring after no. the, after the, he got knocked out. He, he bitched just, out and walked out. He walked out. Yeah. out yeah. And, you know, I think that kind of like really. Yeah. He, he beat Will and then he had two like warm up fights and then he fought the big money fight that could have been Will's Ward. fight. Yes, Andre, Andre Ward. Ward. Yes. Yeah, he fought Andre Ward. Yeah, yeah, but that was very nerve wracking watching Will fight. I don't, I don't know how you can possibly do that. Yeah, it was. You know, like I said, he's like my baby, baby brother. It's like you know, it's not even like Joe and me were kind of the same age. Mm -hmm. You know, separate by five years. Like maybe we went out to a bar together, and if, if ten years—that's a baby. Ten years is a baby. You know what I mean? I'm twenty years old already. He's ten. You know, so it's like. I see him fight, and it was it was hard. All right, we did this for an hour and twenty minutes. I'm going to finish up with a, a few quick questions. You ready? You got it. You're a music guy. One song that you'd be embarrassed if other people knew you rocked out to. I don't tend to get embarrassed, but give me one song. Big tattoo guy like you, punk rock, hip hop. Give me one song you listen to. You like? Oh God, I I wish no one knew I liked like the song. I like a lot of. Disco songs. Okay. And no one would ever think you liked a disco song. I'd see, I see. People hear my musical taste in here. So it's it's, it's Okay, so it's, it's not different. weird. Okay. It's not weird for me to play Sade and Prince all day. And so I have a very eclectic musical taste. So I don't know that. Okay, so that question. I don't know if I have one that would maybe embarrass. Worst tattoo trend you've seen throughout the years? The worst tattoo trend is people getting too small of little tiny tattoos and they get trinkets all over them and they just fill themselves up because they don't really want a tattoo. They just think they're supposed to have one. You don't have to give me a name and I don't want to sully your name. Have you ever given a tattoo and while you're doing it, you're like, oh shit, I fucked this up? Sure. Really? All the time. I know. I don't know if you said it as a joke. Ever spell anything wrong? Yes. Did you tell the client? I fix it on the spot. <laughs> I've fixed it on I've spelled Michael wrong and it's my middle name. Did, on somebody? Yeah. What do you, as you're doing it, what do you, like, oh my God. Do you just panic right away? No, I'm an honest guy. I'm like, yo, dude, I fucked up. Fix it. Figure out a way to fix it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying I fuck tattoos up all the time, but there's, there's no tattoo I've ever done in the, you know, almost two decades I've been doing this has been perfect anyway. It's a human being. And I'm carving pictures into their skin. So none of them are perfect. It's such a barbaric profession. It is. If you think it's about it. It's the dumbest job in the world. You love it, though. I love it, but it's stupid. Why? I draw pictures on people for a living. Do you it's, love coming to work every day? I love it. I'm here two hours early. usually leave two hours late. I, I love the whole thing. But it's it's as far as just I'm saying what I do for a living doesn't. It helps sometimes. Somebody loses somebody. Something like that. Give them a little bit of closure. But as I famously have said, I've heard said, and I've said it a bunch of times, if this apocalypse happens, it's Mad Max world, they're shooting me first. I have no 
true skills. Nobody needs you to draw. <laughs> I'm not going to draw a picture on you. You're like, not I'm knocking on the door of the Walking Dead people. Hey, what do you do? I'm a carpenter. I'm a this. I'm a that. What do you do? I draw pictures on people. <laughs> you have no use. Goofy ones, yeah. too. I draw goofy pictures on people. Not even realistic ones. So, that, yeah, it's a dumb job in that sense. But it's very important to me. Your podcast, completely New York-centric, right? Yes. You love doing New York. Neighborhood Was it Neighborhood Knucklehead or Neighborhood Knuckleheads? Knucklehead. Knucklehead Season 2. Season 2. We're going to make sure it's on every uh, podcast app possible. You ask me this question. I'm going to ask you. Someone, you get a letter in the mail now. Ten years ago, you tattooed a guy. He okay. became a billionaire. He has this mansion in Malibu who just dies. He's giving you the house in Malibu. But you have to live there. Do you move out there? No. You are, see, that's why you're the, you are the truest New Yorker right now. No. I wouldn't. I, I don't. First of all, I've never been to Malibu. I don't know if I'd like it. <laughs> I know I like South Queens. the The furthest I would go is maybe like a little bit into Nassau County. We can still drive here in twenty five minutes. Get you pizza. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I firmly believe. I, I would do this though. Okay. I would do that snowbird thing because I'm starting to get very fucking yeah, sick I, of the winters. Okay. I would like get a little place in Naples, Florida, or something like that. Have a little apartment down there. Go down there for three months, and come back to decompress because that fucks you. It fucks you mentally when it's just rain, snow, and cold yeah. every day. And I have like a not to get dark, but my best friend, who was a young man, died of a heart attack shoveling snow. So every time it snows, I get these. I get my wife's like snow bothers you more now. It's like PTSD. Seriously, it like bothers the shit out of me. So every I have like this fucking snow, I'm like throwing stuff around my house. I hate the fucking snow. So I'm pulling for global warming. <laughs> and I access to everyone on my show. You and I hanging out. If this tattoo shop was packed and people, it would be impossible not to know who you are. But if they didn't know who you are, who's the coolest dude in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back? It would be old tattooers that nobody, you know, no one would really. I don't have any famous people in my phone. I so got nothing. You, you would impress other tattoo artists. By the, I could the, impress other tattoo artists by my Rolodex. Yeah. Give me, the, very, give me the most famous guy that I might know. Would I know any of them? Um, no. You probably wouldn't. Like, again, it's a very small bubble. I don't. I definitely don't have, like I said, don't, I don't have celebrity clients. I know a lot of guys, behind the scenes guys and stuff, but the actual, I mean, let's face it. Most celebrities have shitty tattoos. Horrible tattoos. And then once Sports they go, Sports is the worst. Oh, it's in ba- the basketball plays is the most. And remember, the most visible, obviously, because they're wearing a tank top, embarrassing yeah. some of them. Football's pretty bad, too. Football, you get like some of those. But you know what it is? I, I know some people that work in like those towns that are like college towns. Those guys get all filled up during college. Well, and then people just are like giving them freebies. Well, you, you nailed it because I'm a Kentucky basketball fan. So I go down to Kentucky. They have like two tattoo artists down there. And it's like, dude, if you play basketball, football, come here. And give me a jersey when you make it to the league. So they'll come down yeah, and get tattooed. Or it's up. just a matter of like, oh, so-and-so goes and gets, gets tattooed there. So we'll tattoo him for free. And then you walk in there. It's a picture of yeah, John Wall from Kentucky in his NBA uniform. Like, dude, he comes here. We're going to get here. So it gives a shop props, but they're not. But a lot the, of times they're not. The most talented of tattoo yeah. I mean, there are some sports stars, don't get me wrong, yeah. that have excellent tattoos. But sports is a place where there's a lot of bad tattoos. Yeah, when you see college basketball kids with this, some of them are. Some are really bad. They're tough to look at. They are. Yeah. Give the plug to the shop and your podcast. 
All right, well, this is R&D Tattoo. Um, we've been here at 6201 Myrtle Avenue since 1997. We have a sister shop also called Grandview Tattoo, which is 5338 Metropolitan Avenue, both in the Ridgewood section of Queens. My name's Rich Fye. Follow me on Instagram. It's at R-I-C-H-F-I-E. I do most of my social media stuff through Instagram at this point. And uh, come check out Queens. And the podcast guy, plug the podcast. My podcast is Neighborhood Knucklehead. I also have a Instagram for that, which is mostly just me pick, posting pictures of like Mr. Softy trucks and shit. And that's at Neighborhood Knucklehead. I love food. I love ice cream. Is that your go-to thing when you leave? Like, what's your go-to weakness food? I eat Italian food. I'm going to go out of, get out of here and go to Howard Beach and probably have macaroni somewhere. Oh, you really? Definitely. And your sweets ice cream? What's your ice cream? I like shakes. I'm a shake guy. But I like Mr. Softy shakes. S- specific? Specific. How about... I'm a, a very specific guy. Oh, oh, how about Cold Stone, that cake batter? No, really? it's just the shit probably. <laughs> it's, it's all like... I don't like corporate shit. I go out of my way to never go to a corporate places you go to Mrs. Go Softy, to a you mom love and pop place i'm gonna go unless it's unless i have no i went to one place all the time fairfax virginia ever been there of course there's nothing but fucking corporate stores there you can't get a fucking a sandwich from joe on the corner no. everything is goddamn applebee's I, tr- I go out of my way to shop at mom and pop places support small businesses i'm a big union guy my wife's in the union i out of my way to do that type of stuff. So, Cold Stone, I never had it. A true never New- heard of her. A true New Yorker. A pleasure, my friend. Thank you, brother. Brother, that was awesome. Thank you, man. Cool.